to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. We are bringing you a unique episode this week, this fortnight. We have the lovely Sarah Forkinder here, and she is a money mindset coach. And we're going to be quizzing her and grilling her and giving all the really hard on the spot questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, welcome on board. I might leave Laura to give like a slightly more detailed introduction and perhaps how you guys met, how you know each other. So thank you so much, Sarah, for taking this time to talk about money and your mindset and all those sorts of things, because we touch on a lot of that stuff in the podcast. And I know that our listeners and just artists in general, creatives in general, have this complex relationship with money. So I really appreciate you taking this time to be with us. I met Sarah only recently. So we were at a networking event in Ballarat and Sarah's from Ballarat, the same town as me. And we really hit it off. And I just was really so keen to have her on the podcast because I feel like she would be a wealth of knowledge in terms of, yeah, money mindset and helping us artists sort of do the work, do the inner work and bring more abundance into our lives. So thank you so much for joining us. And maybe you could just give us a little bit of a rundown of how you stumbled into the work that you're doing, the transformation coaching that you're doing and helping predominantly women, I gather. I'm assuming that that's sort of your target market. So I'll hand it over to you, Sarah. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Laura and Ross, for having me as well. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I sort of stumbled into this area, I think really making my way through different areas in finance. I'd previously been an accountant and I've got a a business as a financial planner as well and just sort of finding some frustrations there where it I mean especially in um, as I've progressed from accounting which is all sort of about what's happening in the past and then financial planning where we're proactively sort of planning people's future but there's just been like this real missing piece which is looking at the mindset of everybody because financial planning really just starts with okay, what do you want to have? And then we'll try and make that happen. There's not um, so much education. It's really you're handing your situation over to the financial planner and saying, do it. But if you've got somebody who has sort of these sort of money blocks that are limiting their dreams to start with, then the information that they're giving you isn't really the best that it could be. And it's not really creating a life that is really aligned with that person's values in what they want to do. because by instinct, we sort of listen to what everyone else is doing around us and think, well, that should be my story. That's what I have to do. So I really went down this idea of money coaching and looking towards mindset as well as looking at that little piece. So we need to sort of take a step back instead of like launching into, well, how are we going to get you towards every single goal? Let's let's take a step back and say, well, what is your money story? What really happened around money for you growing up? And what have you absorbed? And once we've sort of gone into that and you first realize your story, then you can realize 
what maybe isn't yours, what you've just taken on from the different influences you've had as you've grown up. And as you analyse that, you can say, well, that's not mine anymore and I want to move forward with something else. And then I really love to take people through looking at what their sort of value system is and saying, well, those values need to be aligning with what your goals are. And it's yeah, it's a really fun journey making our way through those before we actually go, all right, like these are some goals then that are actually really aligned to you. And how do we get there? So we always we eventually get to that, how do we get there space? But I think there's a lot more work to be done beforehand. Yeah, and that's that's really fun. And I mean you talk about creatives having um, that you can sort of see a lot of potentially money issues going through there. And I work with the money archetypes and there is one specific one just around the creative. So mm-hmm. absolutely. But it really is there for everybody because it's such, it's an area that we weren't really, for most people, unless you've gone through the sort of um, education stream that I have, you've never learned this space. You've only ever absorbed it from everyone around you. And that meant that you haven't just had sort of an educational perspective. Every time you've got information, it's laid with emotions and it's laid with somebody else's bias. And unless we sort of step back and actually analyze that and look at the stories, then we just move along with all of that sort of emotional baggage packed along Mm -hmm. with us and those stories. So it's really fun to look at. And definitely something that is really there for, for most people unless they've had a, the, sort of taken the time to analyze that and have a bit of a look at it. Yeah. I mean, I can see how epically complex it is in doing my research and some sort of prep notes for today. I'm like, wowzers, I'm a money mindset mess. Like, <laughs> how do you make sense? How do you even know where to start when you bring on a new client and you want to dive into mindset stuff? Like, there's so many different yeah. elements. There's so many different elements, but I really find the best place to start is with those major influences in your life and it has to be your parents. So I do love using the tools of these money archetypes. So if we can sort of read through those and start identifying those with our our parents for the most part or guardians, because they are the biggest influences from the earliest age, they're the ones that you've looked to, to absorb how do you feel about money in this world? Because I like to think that, you know, we're born into this world as innocence and we, yes, we have this personality with us, but we have no idea of how to operate in all of these structures and institutions that we have in the world. And we're not given a formal education on those. We are given absorption through the years from our earliest days of just absorbing the environment around us. And when we're young, we're absorbing that from an emotional area. And it's those, so because of that, we have to step back to the emotions around money. So I love looking at that sort of parent and guardian and having some knowledge of what was happening for them and maybe what have you absorbed. And it's something similar sort of happens as you might find in a lot of areas with parents is you sort of tend to go in the same direction or you run the opposite way. So once we sort of can look at that relationship to start with, then we start going into those stories of some of um, what are those maybe profound moments that sort of stay in your mind around money growing up. And then can we start to see any of that playing through as well? Hello, hello, it's Roz here. I just had to interrupt our episode to let you know about my free Facebook community for creatives. Yes, yes, I know it's on Facebook and Facebook does have its downsides. 
but it is a great way to meet other creatives and join communities of like-minded people. So if you would like to join our group, you are so incredibly welcome and we cannot wait to meet you. Come and search for us under Permission to Paint Free Community. See you there. I have done a fair bit of work on all of that programming that I received when I Mm. was young. And I mean, like for a while I was running that starving artist script and then I don't know if it's the martyr archetype or, you know, like poor me, like starving artists, like artists don't make money. It's really hard to make money. Also, I had messaging around I'm not good at managing money and I'm not responsible because when I got my first part-time job, my parents set up an automatic savings account. So I actually didn't have control or access to my money and they were choosing what I was going to do with it. So their idea was they were helping me to save for a car, which is amazing, but I would have liked to learn that lesson myself and like being able to have control because that message was, I'm not good at managing money. So the last few years, I've sort of been like chipping away at those messages and Even in terms of them guiding me with my career, the sort of messages around it was a risky choice, making art or being an artist, it's a really competitive industry. It's going to be really hard. And yeah, so that sort of blocked me for so many years. I like, I didn't feel like I was getting traction. I didn't feel like I had belief in myself. And like, I really had to like take a step back and be like, oh, I want to feel more empowered about my finances and I I want to be good at managing my money. And so, yeah, I've been much more intentional about how I manage money and things like that. Recently, I've read Profit First. So I'm Mm -hmm. actually taking profits from my business and taking certain percentages, having a certain percentage to live off and then also like saving for tax and all of that. And I've never done that before in my life. And um, it's really empowering, like seeing that money coming in, feeling I'm in control of money and having different bank accounts and looking at it that way, like having that intention to like really work on it. I feel like that's probably the start of it, isn't it? Oh, it's just huge. And yeah, we were having this discussion um, at the event that we were talking about and it's just the difference that that makes. For me to sort of change these cycles for us, we need to deal with the emotional, but we also need some tangibility sort of happening in there as well, where that sort of feedback loop is coming back to you now because you've set up these structures to say, actually, I'm really good at this. So let's rewrite the story of this little script that I've had running. And I think from some of the things that you mentioned there, the you sort of some of the archetypes there, the is one of them is the innocent. And that is that person who says, well, I'm just hands down no good with money. I don't have any ability to learn about it and I'm not even going to try. And that is often from the person who has had it maybe done for them or they've had some experiences very early on that they weren't happy with. So they've just gone into, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna pack myself into this box and I'm not going to open out into the world of money to mm-hmm. sort of learn about it. And that's definitely one that you've broken through. And I think the other potential one, so you mentioned the the martyr, but I think mm. it might even be more along the lines of the the creator. So this is the one that is often for artists, where there can be this idea that if I am sort of focusing on money and money management, then I'm focusing on the material world, and that might be taking away from my ability to create. 
or my sort of ability to connect sort of spiritually as well. So a lot of people in the um, sort of spiritual aligned fields would also have uh, this sort of block that engaging in that, you know, that system of materiality, that financial system actually reduces my ability to be creative or be connecting. So it's another really interesting one. And I think with that one, it can be really easy, really great to think about all of the benefits that you could be providing if you had, say, financial freedom, for example. And so we really start to turn the story around to really looking at those goals. And that becomes as well. So if you are feeling financially secure, it may not be about sort of the the flashiness of talking about the 80s or something that was sort of marketed to us. We're going to have Mm. that huge car, that huge Mm. house by the beach. Just because you have some financial security doesn't mean that that is what you're aiming for. This is so different for everybody. Maybe that's allowing you to actually give your time to others more. Maybe that's allowing you more time to really explore your work so you get to go down those research phases more instead of just trying to create, 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 just to sort of fund those daily living expenses. So if you, through a lot of that storytelling, um, you can change the way that you look at this. And I um, like to say to my clients that the most sort of tangible evidence of what you value is actually your bank statement. And looking at all of the items you spend on can really tell you what do I value in life. And that little bank statement, I mean, if we're sort of looking at the fundamentals of food and housing, that's pretty similar for everybody. But we start to look at the layers on top of that and it is completely unique and we need to embrace that, that it is completely unique for everybody because we are all different and so we need to be looking towards unique goals that aren't sort of what we think that we're absorbing from everybody else because we all know that what people say might not be exactly what's actually happening when we look sort of under the hood of the car. And I think you also mentioned the the martyr which I find so commonly amongst my client base. And it does tend to be an archetype that is really aligned to females because often, you know, we had our our mothers as archetype, uh, sorry, as a huge role model, and we watched them put themselves aside consistently and value putting towards their husband's needs, towards their children's needs first all the time. And then that flows through. And as we become mothers, the same sorts of things start to happen. But that can create this huge tension and this huge anger. And what you can see with the martyr sort of archetype is this, you know, constant of, yes, you do you do that, you do that, you do that, and never providing for themselves until it blows up. You don't have this like nice little consistent level of tension. It's suck it down, suck it down, suck it down. And then that volcano erupts and that can be really disruptive for people's relationships. So that one is also a great one to look at. And I've got there's some really good tools that you can use in the way that you structure your finances to help you work through that. So the emotional and the tangible. Yeah, I think that sounds amazing. And I can relate to just so much. I wanted to inject like heaps of yeah. <laughs> little <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm largely mm-hmm. muted on this side because I've got my little one at home. So I just keep on muting. <laughs> so apologies for that. 
But yeah, you raised a couple of things about the sort of the power that money gives you, the positive power for, you know, making change and impact and what good you can do with that money. And it isn't always about having a flashy car and all of that, but money in the hands of good people who care about the world and want to leave a legacy and create change. Now that's that's where money should be. I really love that you raised that. Yeah. And I think it's really important because we don't realize the social programming that we have that says money will be used for what we basically see coming to us through media. So through the films that we've watched and the TV shows, it, it, it's all about, well, you know, the, that beach house, as I say, or that really flashy car or other media as well that says at the moment, you know, consume, consume, consume in terms of clothing. We don't have to t- make that choice. It, it is ours to do with as we want. And we can absolutely say no to that. And we need to value everything. So the person who decides that they would like to donate funds, there's that choice. You have the someone else who maybe choose to open a business that they're really passionate about that might be servicing the, the world that way. Or it's completely valid to say, well, I'm going to put everything into my children because I see them as the change makers in the world. There are so many valid ways that we can see ourselves contributing and feel comfortable. And again, that just needs to be matching our value set. Talking on values, like some of the things that will common like blocks for artists in their mindset is around, so like feeling that art is only a hobby, but it's like something that I enjoy and some of the messages that they might've received that like art is frivolous and just a hobby, it's undervalued, Mm -hmm. like the whole arts. Industry in general are undervalued. So it's really hard to sell artwork or like, I really enjoy this, but I feel guilty charging money for it. Like, I feel like that can be something that would hold artists back in terms of, you know, making abundance for themselves in in their art practice. What advice do you have for people that are experiencing those sorts of blocks? I think, again, sort of running towards that story of looking into the future So what does the future look like for me if I'm actually able to undertake this as a business? What value am I delivering into the world and what change can I make? Because when we're especially dealing with feelings of being undervalued, that we we should feel guilty for pursuing a particular career when society has maybe told us, well, that's selfish or that's self-indulgent then that's the emotional baggage that we need to unwind and the story that we need to change. So looking into the future and like sometimes you might be doing this just through things like journaling through having those affirmations around the place or just putting together a bit of a plan on what you want to see in terms of sort of the, I suppose the business of your art is shifting that story that runs through your head that says, if I'm able to do this, then of course it's valuable for me to be, number one, a happy, joyous person and that creates an impact on everybody around you. And then I am delivering all of this joy through my artwork to everybody else who I am selling those things towards. uh, Those are all legitimate ways to be valued in this society. So really looking at those stories and rewriting them for us and going back to those whenever you're feeling that sense of 
your self-worth being diminished, having that there to go back to, and that's when it can be really good to sort of write those out or even just record yourself on video um, going through these. We need to start, I said, it's that changing the story, changing the emotions, and then what can you do in terms of some level of structure in the way you manage your finances that actually sort of feeds back into that and feeds back into the future positive story that you want to tell. Would you like to know my approach, Sarah? Yes, indeed. (laughs) It's known as the ostrich approach. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm currently going through that transition from running blind, following my heart sort of thing to trying to actually get a system in place. And yep. I've read, I've been listening, listening audio in, through Audible to the Profit First thing. And then I listened mm-hmm. to some other book about money and abundance and it's all spiritual and just write it down and it will happen. And I just, for the life of me, I can't, I can't work out how no, to, <laughs> any hot tips for yeah. people who, you know, want to do the whole abundance, abundance spiritual thing, but then need mm. the actual <laughs> realistic. Well, yeah, definitely. So for me, abundance. Start sort of with this idea first of manifestation and manifestation needs to be a couple of things need to align. So you need to have the vision to start with of of sort of what you want it to be. Don't worry about too many details, but it needs to be that vision there that you can sort of, again, it's like telling the story and you need the emotional attachment to that. So you need to be able to feel it and be feeling how excited you might be or how peaceful or how joyous you might be in that moment if that all happens. So we get to that. And then you sort of shoot that all off into the universe and say, all right, thank you. I'm ready for that to come. And then we step in towards, well, how do I start getting towards that and and living with some more abundance? And the first part of it is that you need to start valuing yourself. So if you want to step into abundance, you need the ability to be able to increase your pricing to start with, because we don't want to just be seeing more and more work coming in because at some point you reach capacity and that abundance flow is going to stop. So we need to do the mindset shifts to match with that abundance that we see and having a structure which can be really hard um, when you are artistic and used to running with flow, which is I think that idea of flow and the idea of abundance from that spiritual side work really beautifully. But they sort of leave out that next layer, which is action. So that action layer really wants a a structure that's going to happen really easily and really simply for you. And that's where the profit can come in, where you do take those moments to sort of look at how I'm going. And that comes with your price setting of valuing yourself and looking at the abundant opportunities of when can I start increasing these things. Okay. All right. I'm taking this on board. Does that work for you? Do you see the the marriage between? Yeah, no, that was quite good because that's I often find that hard. Like I love listening to books and reading books and like learning different things, but then how to put them together into something that suits me as an individual that is actually Mm. achievable and all of those things is a whole other thing. Now, Laura, I'm thinking about our listeners and I'm wondering if maybe some of them have their art in their like side hustle space and then are maybe trying to transition into full-time art in time and they're just trying to make that sort of happen. I don't know if you have any tips, Sarah, around that transition. Where we step away from intuition and flow 
and we do a little bit of planning because you want to know sort of what is my baseline to make sure that I'm being able to afford to live to start with. And then on top of just living, what are my non-negotiables? So for a lot of people, holidays are absolutely required because I need Mm. to replenish myself. Or another person might be, well, these, you know, I love doing rock climbing or some other hobby that really nurtures my spirit. So those sort of things can become our non-negotiables as well. I've got a little tool up on my website that's like a a cash flow expense tool that people can access, but it just helps you to, because I say that you need to sort of get to those awful bits of putting together a bit of an expenses sheet and knowing sort of what that baseline is and then can step towards, well, how much do I need to sell in order to afford that? And then anything beyond that, you know, that's when we start really creating other dreams from there but to understand what your baseline is and have a bit of yeah a bit of structure around that that is the time to sort of yeah engage that side of the brain and we can hand the rest over to a bit of abundance in terms of creating the opportunities that keep coming our way we want the structure there so that you're doing it without needing to engage those old stories of fear or lack around money moving into that comfortably in an empowered position rather than one that is every month sort of just going, oh God, how am I going to be able to do this again? Mm. So what you'd suggest is getting that baseline number. You mentioned earlier in the interview around looking at your bank account and seeing Mm. what you place value on in terms of your lifestyle and what you spend money on. So figuring out that number and then I guess it is about like brainstorming all the different ways that you can make money through your art, like whether it's yep. teaching or products or prints or doing, I don't know, like exhibitions or all the different ways that you can make money. And we'd sort of touched on that on a previous episode of our podcast anyways, Rose. We did. I believe yeah. that was episode number 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this interview actually follows on really well from that episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back to that. So yeah, that figuring out that number and then just sort of figuring out a bit of a plan on like how I'm going to make money. And you don't have to jump like 100% into it straight away. Like there can be a transition period as well. But if you sort of know like what you're heading towards, like you were saying, Sarah, like if you know where you're heading towards, then you can make a plan. And then that taking action is the important part. It's the power of having that goal, that direction. And also, like you were saying as well before, Sarah, almost like that visualization or that emotional sense of success or feeling of success, because that will drive you forward. We talked as well in that last episode about Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and how she always Mm. says to have a job, like have a day job to fund your creative practice, at least at the start. So that you're not putting your creativity under that financial pressure right from the get-go. So that, I think that is t- definitely a topic, Laura, the whole side hustle thing and then switching over and when to switch, how to switch, mm. when to switch, that whole, you know, that's a bit of a challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you have been running like one of these, some sort of money system, then you know, well, if I make this change to my income in my day job, then this is the change that I need to make in my sort of in my side hustle. And then you can slowly make those transitions. Or if, the opposite, if you're already seeing that your artistic sort of business is increasing its revenue, mm. then you know exactly how that feeds in. So you go, well, I can drop a day here um, 
and and that's not really a problem for me. And the beautiful thing is once you have one of these in place, then as soon as sort of more starts flowing in, it's really obvious to you and you get to go, what cool things am I going to do with this now? And you've got this, so you've got this cost of living calculator. What is it on your website? Uh, So I've got, I call it my cash flow tool. Um, I use it with basically every single financial planning client that I have. And then I use it with all of my sort of money mindset clients as well, just because I find it really simple. So it's just a free download on my website to help you work through all those different kinds of expenses. Um, And then that flows through to it, sort of how you could manage your money on a weekly basis based on that. So it can help you work out, well, based on my expenses, what kind of income do I need going through that? And also you can start allocating towards particular goals. So if, say, I do have $200 a week left over, what am I going to do to it? So my idea is you have your sort of bank accounts managing this all through you, for you, through those direct debits. And then, you know, it's not back on you filling in a spreadsheet every month or something like that, which doesn't happen. Like you've got to set yourself up for success here and go, I'll spend some time around this right now and I'll set it all up. But I'm not going to be doing that every single month because it just doesn't happen. Like maybe I check in on it every six months or maybe I'm checking in on it every 12 months, but it should give you sort of really obvious feedback when something isn't working or when there's more there than you thought there was. Well, we'll definitely make sure there's a link to that in the show notes so our listeners can go and run their numbers, do some magical money. It's an interesting (laughs) exercise. Yeah, yeah. It's really empowering, as I said. So it's like you want to be, when you're making those big changes in your life, feeling like I've done the preparation and because of that, I'm not feeling fearful about anything. And yeah, that, that is where you can really make some magic happen. Now, Sarah, you've got a workshop for Money Mindset on September the 25th. I absolutely do. I'm back after I had about 12 months off. I've got a six-month-old now, so I'm there. She's old enough to get me there now. I'm really excited to to be back to doing some workshops because, you know, it's so much fun having that active feedback with a group of people. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit more about what to expect? And I believe it's in Ballarat. Is it? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ballarat. And well, we sort of, so running through a lot of what I've spoken about today. So mm-hmm. I've sort of put it under three headings, which is that, so the first is disrupt, where we want to understand our money stories and disrupt the way that we've been maybe emotionally processing money from the past. And by understanding that, we get to the second step, which is empower. So that's understanding those and understanding our values. So it's getting towards a core understanding of who am I without all of the crap of other people's biases around me and all of the like programming I might have received growing up? So from that point of understanding who I am, then we get to the creating space where we get to you know have that abundance, have that manifestation, and say, well, what am I going to do with it now that I see money as this you know in energy that I can use towards creativity rather than this horrible sort of system that I must engage with but sort of detest doing so if we can switch around from those then yeah that's really powerful so it's working through sort of those three steps within the workshop yeah so how do people find out about that is that through your newsletter list or on social media or yeah so I've actually I've already got it up on my website so if anybody wanted to read more about it there but yeah also on my Instagram as well so just Sarah Falkender 
to that one. If you want to follow me, I'll be putting stuff up and I've got a few. The money archetypes are sort of all listed there as well if you, if you want to have a look. I will just say on the money archetypes, I always find the most interesting thing is sort of learning about these and pinpointing those people who are the biggest influences in your life and what do you think they are. And then when you do that, you can sort of really see, well, where is fear playing a role in the way that they manage money and the the um, sort of advice that they are giving me and that's so powerful to understand that maybe they're just giving you this advice because they're afraid. Laura, from your story before, mm. like is it, your parents probably weren't thinking anything about you not being able to handle your money, but it's just it might just be coming from a fear that they have so that they're like, you know, we're going to take control of this yeah. rather than in empowering you yeah, through those decisions. So, I mean, I found that really interesting for myself and my partner and it was really groundbreaking in our relationship for me to understand that because I know that I'd always played out the, the martyr role in ours and you sort of go through months and months of like putting everything aside and, you know, just giving up, letting him do everything that he wanted to do and then suddenly I'd blow my top head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but where, what about me? And when I realised the one that he sort of runs, ran with is the warrior, which is the person who is just like blinkers on. I don't care what else is happening in the battlefield, like I'm moving on towards my next target and my next target and my next target. And I can always create a story around how necessary this thing is to me. When I realised that, then you also realise that, well, he's actually always given me permission to do whatever I wanted to, but he had his blinkers on, so he was never going to see that I wasn't like doing things for myself and give me the permission. Yeah, so that just identifying that in my relationship has made an absolutely huge difference and that's really big step as well towards why I wanted to talk to people about this more because it, it yeah, so fundamentally changed ours. It's so interesting. I'd love to hear more about the archetypes. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Great. I was just I was just wanting to ask Sarah, is your husband named Dan and is he my husband? <laughs> <laughs> Similar. Similar. His name is uh, mine is Sam. Sorry, <laughs> the Ballarat version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They often you will find sort of pairings that go together a lot. Another one that I do find together was we have one of the fool and the victim. The fool is we sort of think more towards that gambling type. You know, I'll just take every opportunity that comes my way. I'm often partnered with the victim who will say, well, I'll give that opportunity to everybody. I will always be the victim sort of of my circumstances. I don't have any control. So, yeah, they, they are interesting, but you do tend to find particular pairings to, pairs. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you've also got a collaboration with Le- Leandra Brady-Walker, the network spinal chiropractor in Ballarat, and you're doing a joint workshop on the 28th of October as well. That sounds mm. super cool. I'm going to do a workshop with her, but I feel like you'd be a magic pairing. Yeah, we are so excited to do that together because, yep. I mean, we got chatting about this, of course, at the, the same event where I got to meet you, Laura, and just the similarities where I'm really looking at this from a money perspective, but Leandra's looking at this from, I suppose, um, more towards the emotional perspective, the the development and how that sits within the body. So, you know, it's like running over very similar material but from completely different perspectives and that's always really interesting to explore. So I'm really, really excited about that one and 
I think because of the two of us together, we'll attract, there'll be a really interesting group of, of people there, which always, you know, the people in the room are who create the, the way that any particular workshop's going to go. So they're all very different from each other. And if you are not located near us, that was you're not, my you're not, you're not lucky, yeah. lucky enough. <laughs> so how can people access you and your wisdom and your coaching services? I'm assuming you can do online. Absolutely. Yeah. And it works really well. So I've got two um, sort of programs that I run basically it's online only. And one of them is a, a money coaching course that's really sort of six sessions done over eight weeks. So that one's really pinpointed towards money and covering a lot of the same things um, that I discussed for the workshop. But, you know, when it, it's just with you, then it can be really flexibly um, based to around what you need. And then I have another one um, that I'm, that's the Ascension program. That's more around mindset, so more around transformation of mindset, transformation of sort of the image that we have of ourselves and what we are able to be achieving in this world, so detangling that sort of again from programming and then yeah, how do we step forward with that sort of version of ourselves in large. So they're two online ones and then I have a, um, a course available as well online. So if people sort of prefer to do something in their own time, then that's always there as well. Yes, if anyone's interested in something different, I'm absolutely open to running online workshops and, and that sort of thing as well. So yeah, it's just ways that I can can reach people um, and, yeah, sort of have these discussions that I'm really passionate about it. And especially empowering women too because I feel mm. like, you know, that's sort of missing, yeah, empowering women with empowering money. Women. Mm. Yeah. Women yeah. with warrior husbands, those ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing, like it, from a so financial planning perspective, when they do any sort of research, sort of 75% of households, the money is controlled by the women because, you know, you've got the male often being a main breadwinner and then women who pick up all of those little tasks, money will be one of the ones. And so it's really important seeing the way that we deal with it and it's also really important to be able to have a good conversation with your partner that doesn't involve stress. You know, often people sit Mm. down and, and and that that conversation where we have to really, you know, sort of open ourselves up with our partner and, and discuss that, you know, it results in tears, it results in floods of emotion because we have to work ourselves up so much before we sort of stand our ground in the needs that we have. Yeah, so I love empowering females because of that. And we also one of the other little statistics I always come up with is that um, people are much happier to talk about their sex life before they talk about money. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> definitely understand. Like this is it's a big thing to mm. start thinking about, and especially discussing with other people. So really important because anything that we don't discuss, you know, we don't have awareness uh, of how other people are doing things. We just have have our sort of locked and fixed ideas. Do you have any yeah. other questions for Sarah, Rose? I have five million. Questions. Oh. <laughs> I know we could keep <laughs> going for five hours. <laughs> actually thinking we might need to have you on again Mm. because I have so many notes and so many questions. Oh, excellent. (laughs) I'd love to, love to chat any day. Yay. Well, let's do that, I think. 
Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll make sure all your magic links are down below um, this video or this audio um, so our beautiful listeners can follow you and check out all your free and also paid offerings. And everyone who's listening, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Wonderful. Bye. Thank you.